going to uh, consider a, a portion of scripture that uh, Tim read for us in uh, Luke 1, and uh, we're going to think about uh, the Magnificat this evening. And uh, the Magnificat is, of course, the Latin word for the first uh, 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 word there, my soul magnifies, magnifies, magnificat, uh, which is the title of the whole song. And uh, many of uh, uh, these songs have been given a Latin name in the early chapters of Luke. Of course, there's the Benedictus, which is at verses 67 down to 76, uh, down to 79 rather. And uh, that is taken from uh, uh, Zechariah's speech, Blessed. So Benedict, Benedictus is taken from that. Then there is the Nunc Dimittis, which is uh, the song of Simeon uh, over in chapter 2. And then the Gloria in Excelsis, which is the song of the angels. So Luke's gospel is a, uh, a, a really a gospel of song, isn't it, in the early stages that people are just breaking out in song all over the place. And so there's something very beautiful and wonderful about that in itself. Uh, that uh, that uh, whether it's the angels, these heavenly beings, or whether it's this old man, or whether it's this uh, uh, middle-aged woman, uh, or this young woman, uh, uh, this... Uh, the early chapters of Luke here describe for us a time of real praise and joy. And that is why we worship. We worship uh, because God is to be praised. And these people are not just kind of planning out, you know, what the, these are spontaneous, as it were, outbursts of praise. And suddenly there was with the heavenly host. And uh, then, then we find Simeon saying, Now, O Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. And here, and Mary said, it just seems like it's very spontaneous, uh, these words that are being spoken. And uh, that is true. God is to be praised. Jesus himself said, uh, when the uh, scribes and Pharisees told him, to make all the, the people stop and the children to be quiet and not uh, to, to say the things that they were saying, Jesus said, if they do not uh, uh, praise, then even the rocks will cry out. <laughs> That's quite something, even the rocks themselves will cry out. So there is this uh, wonderful emphasis for the church that they are to be about the business of praising God. It starts for us right from the Annunciation of Jesus' birth. Not even the, the ministry of Jesus or the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but just the announcement of His birth gives way to incredible worship and praise. Well, how much more now that is all fulfilled? Well, that builds and builds into, uh, uh, into the book of Revelation where you see the heavenly courts singing the, the, the song of Moses and of the Lamb, tying that whole... Uh, 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 range of redemptive history together, uh, praising God for what He has done and, and building on those themes like a, a wonderful symphony. You know how these symphonies, they'll start off with a very basic uh, uh, um, uh, tune, melody, and then just keep uh, building and building and building and building on it. And uh, this is exactly what uh, we find going on 
in uh, the Bible. It's, it's a, a book of praise. And the, the, the end in view is that God be praised. And that is true whether it be of old uh, uh, Zechariah or Simeon or uh, the angels or here tonight, Mary herself. And uh, in spite of all the uncertainty, as uh, uh, we 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 see earlier, uh, this she she is unmarried and all the rest of it. She is not yet married to Joseph, although she is betrothed to him. This uh, does not um, uh, disqualify her from praising God. Even given the, the, the prospects before her and the possible uncertainty of what that will look like in her life, she doesn't put strings on her praise of God. She's going to praise Him. However that falls out, how, however that, whatever that looks like, whatever challenges and suffering she must face, nevertheless, here she is, uh, praising and worshiping God. And so we, we have this uh, 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 Magnificat, which, as you know, builds upon much of the Old Testament, particularly modeled after uh, Hannah's song in 1 Samuel uh, chapter uh, uh, 1. It, it has, uh, as some have said, about 12 Old Testament uh, references, and, and, and in particular, Hannah's uh, song there in chapter First Samuel chapter two I should say, and so this the excitement that Elizabeth has gives way to that of Mary. So it again, it it the, the praise is infectious as it were. Here is Elizabeth when Mary comes. Uh, Mary had submitted to the Lord. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. There, back in verse 38, and the angel departed from her. So she goes now to uh, uh, Elizabeth, and as soon as Elizabeth meets her, John the Baptist jumps, the child jumps in her womb for joy, and Elizabeth begins to make these pronouncements over Mary, and you can imagine how Mary would feel uh, at a time of uncertainty to have Elizabeth, who had not seen her up until this point, knowing exactly what's going on inside of her. And that would have been a, 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 a means of building her up. And so, uh, uh, Elizabeth is full of joy and praise herself. That is then carried over to Mary as well. And blessed be she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What a practical statement that is, isn't it? Blessed is she. Well, blessed is each one of us tonight who believe that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to us by the Lord. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your cup will overflow. I will anoint your head with oil. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. Uh, he will he will save us he will crown us with a crown of righteousness and the promises go on and on and on blessed is he and she uh who believe there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken 
And it's that then that uh, is the preface to what Mary is about to say now as the Spirit of God begins to work in her and as she uh, calls forth these utterances from her own heart and soul of the triumph of God in her own life, but not only that, in the life of the nation and in the world as well. J.C. Ryle says that no words can express better the praise for redeeming mercy which ought to form the part of worship of every branch of Christ's church than these words. In other words, these words, they, they so wonderfully express the, uh, 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 the uh, uh, redeeming mercy that God has brought to His church. And so, so it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. It's like a prism. You put light into a prism and it sheds beautiful light out the other side of it, doesn't it? it, it you shine light into a diamond. Or, or crystal chandeliers, when the light comes out, it dis, dispels the light all over the place. And she says, my heart is like that. My heart is like a crystal chandelier that the, where I am now magnifying in my words and in my life and in my soul what God has done. And let all come and feed on this light. Let all come and feed on this truth. My soul is magnifying God. What a... Uh, what a a beautiful expression of what the Christian life ought to be like. My soul magnifies the Lord. That would be a wonderful thing to, to have written on your tombstone, on your gravestone, when you die. They magnified the Lord in their life. Wow, that, there couldn't be, couldn't be a better testimony. There couldn't be a more well-lived life than to say, I magnified the Lord in my life. His truth, His love, is now uh, magnified. And that's what Paul says in, in Titus, to adorn the Gospel, to make much of it in our lives that other may, others may see. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It's interesting to note here that Mary was not sinless. That she herself needed a Savior, didn't she? She testifies to that. She doesn't see herself above anyone. She doesn't see herself conceived immaculately as, uh, as uh, some branches of the church are, 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 uh, uh, often say. That Mary was conceived without sin. Well, that's not true. Mary herself testifies right off the bat that she needs a Savior. There's that beautiful line in the song, Mary, did you know that the child that you deliver will soon deliver you? It's a beautiful line. And that's what Mary is saying here. And so there is rich fullness of, uh, of soul here. We can see uh, there in verse 42, back a while, uh, back a few verses uh, where uh, Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
Then in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. Verse 68 with Zechariah, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And then in chapter 2 and verse 29, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. So it's the it's just simply to highlight these things at the beginning of the incredible expression of praise the do, at, the, at the dawn of redeeming grace. Is that joy to the world? I can't remember that, where that expression comes from. The dawn of redeeming grace. Uh, you probably... Uh, that'll occupy your minds now until the end. Of, don't, just block that out. Forget I said that. <laughs> well, let's move on. You can think about it afterwards. But that's, that's what we find when Jesus is introduced to the world. Not... Again, I say not to have the the fulfillment of his ministry, his life, death, and resurrection, but just the announcement of it and all that it means. And for us on this side of the cross, how much more meaningful is it? Well, she praises God for six uh, things here in this uh, 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 Magnificat. as She magnifies... God. The first is that God has condescended to her. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The Christmas flies back. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. She praises God for His condescension that that God though God could occupy Himself with the universe and the, the, the uh, expanse of the, the, the galaxies and all that is out there, yet it's routine for God. It's part of who God is to give special attention to the humble, to condescend to people of low estate. Mary recognizes that God is particularly glorified in these ways. And how that ought to cause us to cultivate a spirit of humility at all times. The proud, He knows from afar. But the humble, uh, he, he lifts up. The, the, the humble, he, He's intimate with. And God uh, is glorified in condescending to those of low estate. And Mary says as much here, for He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She was poor. She didn't come from the right uh, socioeconomic background. She probably wasn't very well educated. She came from the wrong part of, of the, the nation, way up in Galilee, where, as the proverb says, nothing good comes from Nazareth. And so, the, and yet, and, and here she was, a young girl. And uh, you put all those things together, and that equals someone of very low estate indeed. And yet, Mary is magnifying God for looking upon her. Well, how low is our condition? How we also can magnify God for His condescension toward us as He took upon Himself our frame. Our weakness, our body, 
our sin. Friends, even Mary did not know the full extent of how how God would condescend to her low estate. That and you you notice that even later on with Simeon, when Simeon tells her all these things that a sword will pierce her own soul, it said that they marveled when he said these things. They were amazed to hear. So that even Mary did not fully. She, Mary was like an Old Testament figure in some ways like that because she didn't fully appreciate just how God condescended as, and looked upon the humble estate of His servant. Not only that God took notice. We can rejoice in that, can't we? That God notices me. He takes notice of me. But it's more than that. God becomes one of me. One of us. That God lowers Himself even more by, by taking His our sin upon Himself. By taking our place in outer darkness. Yes, His condescension is great. He notices her. He is her Savior in ways that she does not even begin to realize. But this is where God is magnified. And He continues to do it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you wise. Not many of you uh, 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 of, of influence in this world and so on. James says uh, that God has chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. Mary sees a pattern here. Mary sees a pattern going way back into the history of her people. So in many ways it's not surprising. In many ways, it's not surprising to see the Gospel going into the, the poorest parts of the world, even today. She goes on, she says, from, Behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She's, she is not saying that all generations will invoke my blessing. Again, that's a mistake that some in the church have made. That they are going to marry for a blessing. But no, many will, from these generations on, they will call me blessed. She wasn't being proud. She wasn't boasting, but recognizing the station that God had given her. There was no denying that she was a woman who was particularly privileged. And Mary... Uh, Elizabeth even says as much. And why is it granted to me, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She was elevating Mary, wasn't she? She was, she was showing her the distinct privilege that God had given to her in bearing the Son of God. Mary was not being boastful. She was still being humble when she said that. And we ourselves. You remember in the Old Testament where God says, 
Blessed is the, is the nation whose God is the Lord. We can ourselves call ourselves blessed. We, we are God's children. We can still be humble and recognize who we are. That we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And that there is a, 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 an incredible dignity that has been uh, uh, laid upon us. And we ought to live along those lines. We, we don't arrogantly take it and run with it. But we, we, we say, this is what God has made us. And this is what Mary says. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. There wasn't this kind of false humility. No, she says, if this is what the Lord is making me or wants to make of me, if this is who God says I am, then I have to believe God. I have to thank Him by receiving those privileges and saying, yes, I am a child of God. That I am set apart from the world. That I have God's Spirit inside of me. But that also, that I am to take those privileges and live the way that God would have me to live. Just as people who are royalty, people who are, are, have been given uh, uh, special advantages in life, the thing to do is not just to throw it all away and walk away from it, but to say, I am in a privileged position, therefore I'm going to make the most of the blessings that I have in my life. And that's certainly what Mary does. Our situations are unique. We are not in the same situation that Mary was in, obviously. But nevertheless, we are the blessed of the Lord. We are those who enjoy His particular blessings down through the generations and into eternity. We recognize those blessings. We take them. We don't argue with God. But we also recognize the responsibility that we have in it. So she says, all generations will call me blessed. The angels desire to look into what we're doing tonight. The angels are calling us blessed. That's what you see, they're they're looking in. They're stretching their necks. That's that's the idea there. They look they're saying, What's going on with these people? You see, see these angels that were sent to Mary and to the shepherds and to all these different people? They're, they're basically coming and saying, Do you know how blessed you are? We're not the recipients of this blessing. You are. The angels weren't part of the blessings that you and I have. So they're coming and they're looking in. They're interested. They're, uh, they're preoccupied. And that's who you are and that's who I am. And, and our, our uh, 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 response is not to, to walk away in a kind of a false humility, but to say, thank you, God. Give me the grace to live according to the calling that you have given to me. Calvin says about Mary here that she makes her glory to consist in acts of divine kindness. Not in herself. Certainly not in any kind of sinless uh, uh, work that she has. And again, this is part of 
Catholicism that says Mary is responsible for works of supererogation that she can give to the world above and beyond what she needs. She's got more than she needs, so she has works of supererogation, more works than she can ever know what to do with, so she can give to you, 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 and you. Mary is not saying that. She says that her exaltation is rooted in God's grace as her Savior and who has made her a particular recipient of His grace, but still, at the end of the day, it is grace. It's not of works, as she herself would, would testify. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Holy is His name. Mary is standing on the shoulders of, of uh, uh, the prophets, standing on the shoulders of Moses, standing on the shoulders of the great writers of the Old Testament. Especially Moses who said, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You see, just as Moses ties God's holiness and His works. So Mary here does the same. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. God's works set Him apart from everything else, from everyone else, from every other religion. And Mary is testifying to that. Again, this is... Uh, the same sentiment that Hannah spoke of. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. You notice what she's saying. God is separate. He's separate from every conception of any God that humanity could come up with. But as I was saying this morning, nowhere is His holiness more testified to than in the death of His Son on the cross. There we can truly say, holy is the Lord. Like no one else. Moses could tremble on Mount Sinai. Mary could, and Hannah, and David, and all these people could testify to the holiness of God, but it's not until the cross that we truly see the full extent of God's holy name. Holy is his name. The next thing that she speaks of here is his mercy. What an incredible array of characteristics that she is displaying here. She's just pulling them out from all sorts of different areas. She's not satisfied to describe God in simply one way. But as she thinks about God's dealings with her, and by extension, her dealings with the whole nation, these are the conclusions she comes to. And she's really, she's, she's able then to give, what she's doing is giving her amen to all the many other testimonies that have gone before her. We often say that in prayer, don't we? If people have prayed before us, we say, I say amen to 
brother this or sister that who has already prayed. In other words, I want to affirm what they have just said. I want to echo what they've said. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. But in my circumstances and in my generation and in 2022, I want to say with them in 2000 B.C., yes, the Lord is holy. Amen. He is righteous. He is good. He is kind. And that there's a beautiful echo down through the centuries. Holy, holy, holy. And this is, this is really what Mary is doing with all these different characteristics. And His mercy is for those who fear Him. Look at this table. He has spread a table in the presence of my enemies. Look at all this food. His holiness, His mercy, His kindness, His faithfulness. It's all there. It's this table that we go to and we, we partake of. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Psalm 103 says, As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. Psalm 147 says that the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear Him and those that hope in His mercy. You see how those passages tie together the fear of the Lord and the mercy of the, of the Lord. Those, listen to what Psalm 147 says again. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear Him. Then what does that mean? He qualifies it by saying, in those that hope in His mercy. It does away with this notion that we are simply to be afraid of God. Yeah, we're to respect God's holiness. But he's saying here that to fear Him is to hope in His mercy. You see, he, when I say I fear the Lord, that means I love the Lord. I believe He is merciful. The, 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 the tax collector that went into the temple to pray and he could not lift up his head but beat his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That man was full of the fear of the Lord. He recognized his sin and the holiness of God, but he was full of he was full of a sense of God's mercy toward him. And by by being in that state, he was he, he had the fear of God upon him. And this is again what Mary celebrates. His mercy is for those who fear him. How unlike she was to the, all the those who hounded Jesus throughout his life. They saw no place for mercy. Jesus told of that in His parables. A man went down from Jericho and fell among thieves, and he was left for dead in the side of the road, and a, 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 a priest on this side and a Levite on that side, and they walked by. There was no place for. There was no place for mercy. All they knew was works righteousness, getting right with God through what they did. Mary here knows that that's not the place to start. That, that, that righteousness is a product of mercy and grace. That's where you start. 
She starts with, my soul magnifies God, my Savior. And out of that comes a harvest of righteousness. Out of that comes a harvest of praise. But again, it's only in the Gospel that the mercy of God comes to its kind of highest development and and expression. For Paul says, God commands His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. She celebrates His power in verse 51. He has shown His strength with His arm and He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has shown strength with His arm. What a testimony again. Think of it. You gotta put you gotta use your imagination here when you're reading the scriptures. You gotta sit back and when you're reading these chapters, put yourself in where she lived and who she was. She was, as I said, a young, poor, subjugated. By that I mean the Romans were over her. Ruled with harsh taxes. And yet here she is, celebrating God's power. Celebrating the strength of His arm. Because she didn't just live in a little bubble. She didn't just live for the moment. She knew that she was part of something greater. Something longer. She was part of a greater scheme. A greater agenda that goes back to Abraham. She could see the development of She could see that though things weren't good for her people right then, that God had acted in many amazing ways in the past and was now on the cusp of doing something so amazing and powerful because she could feel it in her own body. She heard the testimony of Elizabeth. She heard the testimony of the angel. And her faith in the strength and the power of God, was renewed. What a testimony coming from a young girl. Do we have that kind of testimony? Can we say those same things despite what we see going on around us and how easy it is, friends? I'm not minimizing that in the least. When things come into our families, when circumstances come, when, 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 when there's difficulties, when there's sickness, when there's illness, when all these... and we are tempted just to allow those to wash over us and say, despair, and say, where is God in all of this? Is the arm of the Lord shortened that it cannot save? We're tempted in that way. Is Mary simply exaggerating here? Is she just taken up with some kind of poetic euphoria or caught up in the moment? Is she telling the truth? She is definitely telling the truth. And in spite of the situation, God has made known to her enough that she can reaffirm His power. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. So she confesses His power and then His sovereignty. 
His sovereignty in the world. Scattering the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. Bringing the wisdom of this world, as Paul says, to nothing. And He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. This again was the uh, 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 record of biblical history. When you think of Joseph, a slave, risen up to the second in command over all Egypt. Think of Daniel, a young again, a young man who was taken as a slave, captive from Israel into Babylon. And he rose to one of the highest echelons of Babylonian power and influence. Moses, the same. Taken as a vulnerable child from a basket on the Nile. And again, second in command over all of Egypt. David, taken from following the sheep and given an eternal household that we saw a couple of weeks ago that would never end. Mary is again simply saying, Amen, Amen. This is the God that we serve. And and while she rejoices that God has looked upon her humble estate, she can still say, this is consistent with the God that I've always known. One person has said that she sings of the reversal of things which in principle has already been accomplished by the entrance of God upon the course of history. The reversal of things. In other words, it's a reversal of all human opinions, he says, of greatness and insignificance. The first shall be last. The last will be first. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In other words, Mary is testifying to this great upside-downness that Jesus will bring. And she calls all the humble to herself. She calls all the broken. She calls sinners to herself to come and share in the good news of the Savior that will be born to her and through her. This is what she's doing in her song. Oh Israel. That's what she's saying. Just like Psalm 130. Oh Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy and plentiful redemption. Because God is sovereign. He has brought down the mighty. <laughs> she was all part of that, wasn't she? In the, in the reign of Augustus, there went out a decree from Caesar that all the world should be taxed. And Mary and Joseph left their home in Nazareth, went down into Bethlehem. What was going on? Who ordered that tax? Well, we had, God had to get them down from Nazareth to Bethlehem some way, and so He moved and shook the whole world. The whole Roman Empire uh, 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 ordered this tax to accommodate His greater plan, His greater scheme. Mary testifies to that here. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And there were the twelve who went out and turned the world upside down, causing Pilate and Herod to tremble. What are we going to say about these? We can't do anything. We're powerless. 
The more they say, the more they get the people's goodwill. What are we going to do with these men who have turned the world upside down? These ignorant fishermen. Does that not give us hope for ourselves? How dare we then say that God can't work through us? That God can't work through even the smallest child? God is able to take something small and insignificant in our lives and use it for His glory in an eternal way. And so we, we've been reading in our bulletins over the last number of weeks about getting Bibles out to the world. By giving. Giving $20. Giving $100. So those Bibles can be put into the hands of boys and girls and men and women all over the world and impact them for eternity. And it becomes easier and easier. You don't have to write out a check anymore. You, don't need, you run out of checks, who cares? You go online, you do it online. There's my plug. But it's the simplest things. And how dare we uh, uh, marginalize a, a sovereign and almighty God. And so this is what Mary is excited about. She knows that as it is with her, so it is. it will be with every humble heart who comes in the fear of the Lord with His promises. See, she's not just excited about herself. Oh, look what God has done for me. But she's saying, look at what God has done for all people. He exalted those of humble estate. Not me. Those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. And so the song ends with an assurance that God will be true to His promises, that He will fulfill His promises. And She was right on the cusp of it, wasn't she? That God would be true. He has helped His servant Israel. Talk about an understatement. In remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. She's just gathering all of that whole Old Testament history up and the yearning of the saints of old, he's, she's gathering all that up in the one who is growing inside of her and saying, He will bring it to pass. He has remembered. He has helped His servant Israel. Oh, it was almost there. He has helped His servant Israel. This seed of the woman that would be born would be the one to crush the serpent's head. Mary's son would be the channel of blessing for the nation and for the world. Is it any wonder as she reflected upon these things that she broke out in song and has given us one of the, 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 the greatest portions of praise in all of the Bible. But she doesn't want us to simply leave it there with her. It's not hers alone. But she's drawing all of God's people, all who are humble in heart, all who in the fear of the Lord believe that God will fulfill His purposes, not only for her, but for all of us. What a comfort that is. What gifts these are. Every display of God's character that she, she unfolds before us. What a gift this song is. 
And it's incumbent upon us then to own it, to embrace it, and to believe that this God, in spite of what we see going on around us, in spite of outward appearances, just as Elizabeth was impressing upon Mary, blessed is she who believes in the fulfillment of what God has spoken. So it is with us that in spite of outward appearances, we say, nevertheless, the Lord is faithful. And just as He has said, He will do. Let us pray.